empowers us to obey it. Through the conviction of the Holy Spirit we're amazed and, and astounded what we can do in obedience to you and how that affects our lives and those around us. So we thank you for this astounding life that you've given us in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Well I thought today we'd talk about um, the God who changes us forever. Amen. Our God changes us forever. Through encounters with him we are changed forever. He knows how to bring about those encounters. They are all in the mind of God from the foundation of the earth. He orchestrates everything. He can uh, set you up to be where he wants you to be. He ain't scared of you. He's scared of what you got to do. Your neighbors, your relatives, your husband that don't want you to do nothing. Your kids that won't let you alone. He ain't scared of none of that. Amen. He'll set up an encounter with you in spite of, because of, in cooperation with, and sometimes in disagreement with you. So (laughs) he's the God who is God. When he encounters us he has to come as God. He can't come as somebody else. He can't come as uh, uh, somebody that you just invite and you call the shots and you decide how you want the relationship to come. He comes as God. Amen. And so we'll talk about some encounters that he had with, with, well we'll see how many we get to today. There's several people in the Bible I thought would be interesting to look at to see how these encounters with God changed them forever. And set them on a totally different course of life. And I think one of the things we need to look at in our lives is how how much have we changed since we've encountered God. Many people have a one time encounter with God. Their salvation experience and never check in with him anymore. Man we know that is religion. You get saved and they think that's all there is. And they sing about salvation until they go to the grave. And they never have another encounter with God to find out what they're saved out of, into or for. So we have to understand that God wants us to be changed forever through these encounters with him. That every time God touches our lives, every time we have an encounter with God, that should bring about a change in us. And it does. The reason you have to come to church twice a week should come every day. In the early church they went every day. Of course pastors get talked about and put in jail run out of town if they tried to make you come more often. (laughs) So you know we go for the two days. We go for the two days. Work with what we can work with. But uh, you know the reason that you come on a consistent basis is you need consistent encounters with God to be changed by him. See see what the devil's planning for you it takes a change toward the God side for you to overcome. And he's constantly plotting things against people period but especially against the church. Especially. So you need to come in. You need to be refreshed. You need to get your mind off of whatever it is you think about from day to day. You need to get your mind renewed in the word of God. You need to be empowered, filled with faith and filled with courage so that you can go forth and conquer as God wants us to conquer. And that takes consistent encounters with God. It takes consistent exposure to his word. You can never be too busy for continual encounters with God. You, know, you can never be too busy with whatever it is that God told you to do. 
we shouldn't be doing anything that God didn't tell us to do. So, <laughs> so it is a life changing uh, uh, happening that happens when we meet God. And, it, and the change goes on forever and ever and ever. You know when we first meet God many of us are, are so overwhelmed with the presence of God and you know you may speak in tongues and lift up your hands and worship and I love you Jesus and oh I just whatever you want me to do Jesus I do and then don't go in don't talk to him no more for long. I mean yes, yes. Preach. Preach. That's wrong. See, them them men you chased and women you chased wasn't supposed to be chasing. You gave them more attention than that. Amen. He's only put them on speed dial, haven't? What's your number? Amen. You call it five times and somebody else answers. Should have known the first time you. it was bogus, but we... So don't tell me you don't know nothing about faith and perseverance. Can you knew that wasn't that brother's number? Gave you a bad number from Jump Street. Wasn't halfway interested. He kept right. That's my husband. How people know that the first time they see somebody, I don't know. My poor late husband, I married him and, and oftentimes didn't know if that was <laughs> the one. And he looked at me the same way. You're never sure. Yeah. Whatever. But we work with it, right? Just humans, but we'd be working with it. But in, <laughs> where was I at? See, y'all got me off on something different. Yes! Right. Uh, we fall all in love with Jesus the first time we meet him and they'll talk to him again for like three and four months. Yes, yes, that's true. Till we run out of money and we need something. And it's, it's just wrong. See, it's just wrong. Amen. So but God wants us to be changed with every encounter, every meeting with him. We are to be changed. Why? Because he is that way. He's a life force. And when one life force meets another one, the greater is blessed. The greater blesses the lesser. You got me? It's not the other way around. So we don't bless God. He blesses us through these encounters. Now we release blessing to him to draw him near. But really when that encounter, the lesser is blessed of the better. You know, anytime that happens, there's a... uh, uh, a transfusion that occurs of his spirit into yours. He doesn't receive of your spirit. You receive of his. Man he's holy. And he's trying to keep us holy. By these encounters. And, and giving us instruction. And, and whatever else it takes. Uh, for us to live the life. The God life he's called us to live. He does that. So in Genesis 12. We'll take a look at Abram. One of our favorites because we call him the father of the faith. He is a patriarch of the church. For his life changing encounter with God. You need to know that God expects continuous change. There's a, a continual flow of his life into us. By the Holy Spirit. The regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. And that regeneration takes place on a continual basis. 
with each encounter with God we should change more we should open ourselves up to yield more to God uh, yield more to his spirit uh, that he can take us into different depths of himself that we haven't been in before we shouldn't just settle for the same uh, lift up your hands and feel a goose bump and that's it you know it, it, it should go farther than that so the change is not up to us but it's up to God See, it's not for us to tell God how we want to be, but for him to tell us what he expects out of us. So he is the one who calls the shots. Whenever God approaches us, he comes with an attitude in him that says, you change. See, it's a, even though his presence can be gentle and sweet when it comes upon us, but then when God starts working, he takes over you'll feel somebody take the the wheel of the car away from you real quick and start steering it in a different direction and so he expects that change too he has a path and a and a vision for us he has a a call on us that that he we are called into a holy calling and so he's the only one who can guide us in that we can't guide ourselves we don't know what it is that he's expecting so we see here in Genesis 12:1, the Lord said to Abram, get out. Oh, see that's the change attitude. Get up and get out. Right. It says get you out of this country from your kindred, from your father's house into a land that I will show you. Yes. Now this encounter is typical of a first encounter with God. This is how he approaches someone who doesn't know him. You got me. So in Abram's case, he was a uh, an idol worshipper uh, in a, a Chaldean land where they worshipped many gods, and they would meditate and, and uh, look at the stars and, and that kind of thing. You know, they were nature worshippers and idol worshippers, and so God called him out of that, and He called him out of that type of thinking about God he's he's calling him into his uh, uh, an accurate picture of who God really is and so whenever we meet God for the first time he's calling us out of some kind of understanding that we have of him that is false because if it hasn't been revealed to you if he hasn't revealed himself to you as God whatever else you've thought about him is inaccurate see that will will fall to the wayside I don't care what it is mama told you that you've been sitting up in church all these years and I heard these stories and I know about God but when he encounters you he reveals himself to you and a revelation is different from knowledge you know you know people have done things like uh, uh talk to people long distance from year for years you know we used to have when i was a kid in school we'd have what we call pen pals you could sign up to send letters to somebody way on the other side of the world and and uh you know from their letters they sound a certain way same thing now on the internet you can make friends of people on the internet and what they present to you is knowledge about themselves but if they show up at your doorstep it's a whole nother different ball game you got me so one's just knowledge and the other one's a revelation a revelation always gives a different disclosure than just a certain type of knowledge that you have 
When a person reveals themselves to you, you pay more attention because there's something about that personal encounter that changes your attitude about them. You know, before they were just a person on a piece of paper, but now they're skin on, they talk, they breathe, you can see what they look like. All of these things occur. And so anytime God is real to us, he's real by revelation. He can never be real by stories, fables, uh, testimonies, other things that people have said about him. You can get some understanding. But but remember when Peter and Jesus had that conversation about who Peter thought he was. And uh, he gave him a lot of historical stuff. Well some say that you're Elijah raised from the dead. And some, say, some say he said yeah but who do you say I am. And he said well you're, you're the Christ the son of the. He said and from the, the spirit from which he spoke. Jesus knew that he'd had a personal revelation of him through the father. See, you know when you know somebody personally. You know, sometimes you can you can have met somebody important and you keep dropping their name. And then that person might walk in somewhere and you never even seen what they look like up close, walk right past you and you, you know, oh that's who they are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can talk about them as they, though you know them personally. But if there is no personal revelation of that person, you don't really know them. So the personal encounter has so much more impact than the historical letter. The and it's the same thing with God. You know, people can read the Bible and assume they know God or it had no personal revelation of Him, no obedience to the Word, no understanding. But why? Because they haven't had a personal encounter with Him. So God wants everybody to have that personal encounter with Him. So He meets. Abraham, he tells him to get up and get out. So when he meets a sinner for the first time, it's pull them out of their sin and move them on into the promised land. In the New Testament, the preachers would preach repentance. It's the same thing, get up and get out. Amen. Just get up out of where you are and don't go back again. Abraham was called out of that land never to return there again. Why? His future wasn't there. There was nothing there for him. So anytime God encounters you, you will move from one spiritual place to another, from one spiritual encounter to another, from one glory level of glory to a higher level of glory every time. Sometimes we're trying to get somewhere in God and, and we all we need is to have another face to face with him. You to need to meet with him again. You know, you need to, you need to have that encounter again, so that you can know exactly what God is calling you to do. It's amazing how we can be so discouraged about maybe length of time it takes to get a prayer answered, but you get sometimes to a place where you have a good worship encounter with God, and all of that disappears. It gets refreshed again. It gets your, that encounter changed you. God didn't change. He's always wanted to bless us. He's always wanted to help us. But we change because of these encounters. And lack of encounters with God will cause us not to change for the good. Sometimes we get stuck in a rut. We wonder how to get out. We need another encounter with him. That's all. You just need to go talk to your heavenly father again. You need to meet with him. You need to worship him. Get the cobwebs out. 
Ask him where to go to meet with him. Sometimes you'll meet with him in a unique place. A place you've never met with him before. Sometimes he'll find you. And so we have to understand that these encounters are meant to change us and change us so that we can do the will of God. We, you can't do it. It's like every step you take in God you have to have a different kind of shoe fit on your foot to take that next step. It takes a new encounter. He remolds your foot remote I would like to have like a size six or something you know and <laughs> get rid of some of the corns and the you know if he's remolding come on let's do it right now and give me a little more bounce in there a little more pep in my step whatever whatever but he is remolding your foot so that it will fit into the new place that he has for you he creates a a path for you with the light of his word and so these encounters always bring light and revelation they bring understanding and they bring power you need power to get up and go and do what God told you to get up and go and do and so when when we have these encounters they are life changing because they bring so much of God's essence into it we need so much of God to accomplish the things that he has for us to accomplish so he tells then first thing he tells Abraham is you must change it's the way he meets everybody who's not in covenant with him you must change and then he offers the covenant to us after he sees the heart willing to make the change it's like we did when we got born again we repented and confessed our sins asked Christ into our lives and then he told us what the blessing would be from serving him and I think that's a good order to keep it in because so many times we hear the blessings given to people and and, you know there are people out in the world who think if they keep a good confession good things will come to them God will bless them we've got a lot of confused people out here who believe they're they're devoted Christians just because they have a big cross on a big chain around their neck and you know they sing rap music and secular music and haven't really been to church they think they're in there just like everybody else is because they they only hear you know and and we have ourselves to blame for that because we've taught the blessing side of the covenant to excess and not really emphasized holy living which will do your home a lot more good than money will you know it, when you think about it when you live righteous you have peace of mind you can have health in all of those things. You can't, money can't buy certain things for you. And so very often we've taught that to excess. See, I'm so thankful Minister Mary stressed that we have to give to God what's due him in order to expect him to do anything for us. And then you can't do that with dirty hands. You have to live a righteous life before God. Humble yourself and understand when you make mistakes, when your heart goes into something it shouldn't go into, you need to draw that back and repent before God. God, I'm sorry, I got astray there. I walked off into this and I shouldn't have done it. And I'm asking you to forgive me so that I can be righteous again before you. And that, that's how you encounter God as a believer. And so God straightens it out through Abraham. He tells him first to, to change this. Get out of here. 
your daddy uh, you know worships false gods and your family does that you're going to have to leave them in order to have the freedom to worship me see God would rather not fight with you or fight with you in a fight with your relatives unnecessarily so he'll have you move or they'll move and leave you and many times people are upset you know I got born again and my husband left well if he was going to cooperate and live peacefully God would have kept him there well it's just a thought and I'm not talking about nobody kicking nobody out because they don't get saved I'm talking about real legitimate God God business in dealing with people you got me the Bible says, says God has called us to peace if that unbeliever chooses to dwell peacefully with you now peace happens to mean that they are content even though your belief is different from theirs huh? that's peace he's not talking about he do everything you tell him to well look at him he won't give me no money won't go to church we ain't talking about that huh the rollover play dead mentality Christian you know sometimes we get saved we think we can boss everybody we just not learning no you don't know nothing about the words you don't know how to barely get yourself up to get the church on a steady and you want to run everybody else's life in the house and because they won't obey you you say it ain't no peace there just a thought now if y'all come in and start agreeing with me here on this word I won't have to go off so much (laughs) but you know what I'm talking about we're talking about the supernatural peace of God his covenant of peace and they're content with that and many times if you're a believer and, and your spouse isn't saved yet they depend on your prayers huh they uh, you know a lot of times they won't ask you my late husband was like that he wasn't saved I was saved about 10 years before he really repented and came to the Lord but you know he would mention things dropping you know and I said oh okay well you know do you want me to pray well if you want to if you want to huh and see as a believer you can't get tired of that because that's you know sinners have pride on them you know I mean even though they're sanctified through your your salvation they want to hang on to what they have they always think that if they let go and serve God they're going to be missing something you know and so even though they can mooch off of you and, and get blessed by your prayers and keep they see they got more now that you've been praying than they ever had before but they always think if I get involved in it I'm going to be missing something it's okay for you but I don't need all that you know you need all that more and they know it you know they just don't something about human flesh doesn't want to cave in but God see God has a day and a time and a date and a place for all of them amen for all of them that come in I was in my house and went upstairs to a little office we had upstairs in our house we moved to Detroit and who's in there weeping and bawling and crying huh the husband huh crying like a baby Uh 
I just realizing I always used to get mad at you but oh he confessed everything I said oh really hmm, let me write this this ought to be worth about three new dresses two pairs of shoes ah lighten up come on now <laughs> I'm working on uh, female tricks you know <laughs> but anyway <laughs> yeah I see how long you can hold her feet to the fire but you know it was it was just a blessing because God just touched him in that place see all the places that I had picked for him to get saved uh huh but see God has a time a place and everything for that encounter to happen and it changed him no, it changed him. Changed him from a person that it was hard for me to talk about God around him to a worshiper. Hmm? Asking for prayer when he needed it, etc., etc. So these encounters are necessary and they're real. God knows when he wants to meet everybody. So his first encounter when we don't know him is call us to repentance. In verse 2 in, in Genesis 12, then he promises the promises come to believers they come to the obedient so God will not promise you anything until you have obeyed him and come into covenant with him the promises are not for non-covenant people and so he tells Abram he's going to bless him that bless he's going to defend him fight for him everything whole package deal I'm your father I'll take care of you I'll lead you to where you need to go you don't have to try and fend for yourself anymore I have everything planned for you all you have to do is obey me and follow me and everything will be be good and so Abraham left in verse 4 he did what God told him to do and as he journeyed he he uh, decided that he was going to hearken to God's voice to get himself on his way so God speaks in many ways and so this was one way that he spoke to him he spoke to him audibly and so Abraham began on his journey and the uh, in verse 8 I think it is he decided to make the relationship with God permanent so the change he was changed enough to get him so far and then he had to have another encounter you see that so in verse 2 he responds he gets up and moves and he gets as far as verse 8 and then he has to have another encounter with God and probably what had happened is he wasn't sure how far to go wasn't sure of direction wasn't sure of something but he felt the need to build an altar so that he could contact God and worship him that's how people contacted God so Abraham takes the initiative now to contact God on his own and this is important because there comes a point in every believer's life where that freedom to interact with God comes in and many times it's something that happens on the inside of us and we kind of take it for granted like it's an automatic thing but there are many believers who don't feel they have the freedom to contact God about their needs about certain he's not interested I'm not sure and so there has to be something that that grows on the inside some change that happens on the inside of us to get us the assurance that we can initiate contact with God you got me 
I can remember when I was first born again, I wasn't sure what to call God. You know, uh, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. I called everybody, you know, different names and so forth and so on. And then all of a sudden, Father God sounded right to me. And the Bible says that God has released to us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father. So I was finally aware from from being unsure and seeking how do I relate to you and who are you to me. That's why you don't know what name to call. You got me? You're not sure of the relationship. But then I, when I would get around certain people they would father God and it sounded right. And so that spirit of adoption began to rise up and I grabbed onto it and received my adoption papers as a daughter of God. And see beforehand you could go to God and ask for things but you weren't. See when you ask for things when you deal with people in relationship that kind of defines what you can expect and what they expect of you. And before that time I wasn't sure what I could expect of God and what he wanted from me. But after that adoption experience I began to understand the father daughter aspect of the relationship. And I began to relate like the way I, I would, would think that I would relate to my own father. You know, I would be respectful. I would, would try and find out you know, things that he enjoyed and liked and, and try to bless him that way and be a blessing to him and not a, a problem to him. Not disobedient in any way and all that kind of stuff. And in turn I could expect him to meet needs and it got easier for me to use my faith for things because the relationship was there. See when you start to deal with people in relationship it defines what you can expect and it defines what your obligation is in it. And so that is extremely important for us to get that 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 understanding of God as our father. We are sons and daughters of God. And really this is God's purpose in contacting everybody he contacts on earth. He wants kids. He wants to adopt children. And he wants us to help him find more children to adopt. That's why he tells us to go into all the world. When Adam and Eve disobeyed him and man fell, God started immediately getting his kids back. He made a means for us to come back to him. So he's always been on the hunt to get his children back from the hands of the devil. That's his heart. And so when we, we come into contact, that's why he contacted Abram. He wanted, he said, I'll take you as the first one. But boy, after you come under, under line with me, have I got plans for you? He said, I'll multiply your seed like the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. You're going to have so many kids, it's going to blow your mind, Abram. Huh? And so he is looking for sons and daughters. God's looking for kids to adopt. He's always looking for children to adopt. If we can keep that in mind, it'll make us so easy for us to witness to people. Go up to total strangers and begin to speak to them about the love of God. Because you know his heart now. So here we see uh, Abram obeyed God's voice. And then when it kind of got a little like, you know, I'm not sure what else to do. He said, I think I'll try and contact him myself.
So then this relationship changes where Abram feels that he has the freedom to contact God on his own. Has the freedom to ask God about many things. For guidance is really what he is looking for. So then Abram comes and, uh, uh, and, and receives in order to obey God. He must have had to receive enough faith and the strength in that faith to follow him as far as he did. So then that encounter with God empowers us to step out in faith and do what he tells us to do. This is why many people don't obey God. They don't have enough empowerment and enough faith in God what God wants them to do in order to follow up and follow through on it. But if you have a real encounter with God, this is what happened. People will talk about things like, uh, we need another Azusa Street. And we need, you know, how when they talk about revival, they always want to bring something back that's been done before. But I would ask those people, what are you doing with the empowerment that God has given you already? See at Azusa Street those people were, had been Christians, many of them for years and weren't spirit filled. They, they were waiting for the power from on high. We have the power from on high and don't do much with it. People went to Azusa Street and stayed there until God told them that, that they had heard from him. And those people went out as missionaries. They went everywhere from that place. It was another like a book of Acts uh, repetition. Because they were so empowered and emboldened by the spirit of God. That they had the confidence to go out and obey God and do what he had put in their hearts to do. Many of them started healing ministry started from that. Anybody who's got a healing ministry now has that move of God to thank for it because those people got empowered. They moved out. They went on. They kept going. What happens to us now is we get a little bit. We might do a little bit and then we get scared and run back again because everybody else is sitting down. And not doing much. And so when we talk about going forth in the power of God. Going forth by faith. These encounters with God empower us. With the faith. The courage and confidence in him. To go and obey him and do what he told us to do. I tell people you know one one thing I'm thankful for. uh, In this ministry that we've been obedient to, to stay our prayer watch for 25 years now. More than that now. 25 years of two two days a week prayer watch. But anybody in this ministry can pray for you and God will heal you through that person. See they're fully empowered believers as well as people who can intercede. Well if if that's true for this group why not true for all believers you got me it's a simple thing I mean we're not like super saints here nobody's you know fasting and praying and chanting for 24 hours straight or these people eat you got me a lot (laughs) and often if I may say that but but the thing of it is we've been given a simple instruction by God and follow that simple instruction Get that simple instruction and you can go a long way. You're empowered by those words to do what God has called you to do. So when we follow God, you know, we can follow him with the understanding that he's given us instruction to do 
a certain thing and then when we accomplish that or we've done that repeatedly it becomes kind of like a a regular then we can go back to him for further instruction and so Abraham was able to move in the power of that instruction until he built an altar to God and worshipped him that's in verse 7 and then he kept moving then he journeyed and he started going toward Egypt because there was a famine in the land where he was now this man has built an altar to God God's pulled him out of where he was and he's had he knows that he can go to God in worship anytime he wants but somehow this famine uh, puts a little fear in him and you can see his mistake he does not go to God and ask him what do I do because there's a famine I mean you sent me here and this isn't producing for me so now what do I do and instead of seeking God and asking God what to do Abram decides on his own to go down to Egypt and on top of that begins to play this game that he used to play I'm sure he got this from where he grew up you know because in in that culture probably women were not considered to be much more than property and if a man decided that you know he'd go somewhere and the brothers might put pressure on him you know because of his wife it's my sister right Right. which meant she was kind of free for the taking and if God has promised Abram children through his wife God's covenant implies that one wife and you don't pass her around to anybody because it's convenient for you you got me and so then we see Abram make his first mistake when he goes down to Egypt on his own he stumbles when he gets out from under his continual encounters with God many times we're faltering in things you ever see things that don't turn around as fast as we'd like to and we you know we trying to pull our minds and pull our thoughts and figure out what to, how do I get out of this and how do I go well, God already told me I got a prophecy I'm gonna get this but how do I do it and we're trying to pull from our own thoughts to get the answer that's what he happened here he got a little scared he got down there saw all them big Egyptian guys and little him and lot with him and the wife and they look different than everybody and he's nervous he says what Sarah remember now you really you are my half sister not Sarah don't don't play like you just my wife you know that kind of thing and so that was his answer to the fear that started to come up in him because he didn't have a ready encounter with God to take care of that fear so that he could go down there in authority and power what did God tell him back in verse 2 he said I'd fight for you he says if anybody tries to tamper with you or what belongs to you I'll take care of them and see Abraham forgot that sometimes you'll get into situations where you do more forgetting than remembering of your covenant with God you know people call you and you know if you got student loans they'll send you them letters and put the full you only owe them a month payment but they'll put the whole amount of the loan on that thing you know fifty thousand dollars we gonna come and take everything you know and you get scared and a lot of ways the devil scares us and causes us to move out of sync with God he wants you to move on your own because you have no power out there by yourself 
He likes for you to leave the power and security of God's realm so that he can cause more trouble for you in the long run. And so when Abram gets down to Egypt they do run into some problems. You see in verse, start in verse 10, chapter 12 verse 10. There was a famine in the land. Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was grievous in the land. So here we have have uh, words that exaggerate the importance or the severity of what's going on. You got me? So then when you see these words come up in your mind, oh this is terminal. You know, this is what they do. Oh, this is life-threatening. There's no cure for this kind of thing. These are the kinds of words that the enemy uses to strike fear and panic on the inside of us so that we don't seek the encounter with God that we need. The faith that comes with that encounter. The direction that comes with that encounter. The empowerment. We can step out. He, He can get us to step out presumptuously. And step out without God's sanction of what we're doing. Then he has a greater chance of defeating us. But God. So he says. Verse 11. He came to pass when he was come near to Egypt. That he said to Sarah's wife. Behold now. I know that you're a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass. When the Egyptians see you. And they shall say. This is his wife. And they will kill me. And save you alive. So I pray you, you, I pray thee, you are my sister. So just tell them, you're my sister. We'll go down there as brother and sister. And it'll be well with me for your sake, and my soul shall live because of you. So here he's transferring God's power onto his wife. He said, because of you playing this game with me, I'll be able to live, and then you'll be my protector, and you'll be my helper. Got me? Instead of God. In verse 14 it came to pass that when Abram was come to Egypt the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. Now this woman is up in her 70s. I don't know what she ate. And what she drank and what she rubbed on her skin. But I sure would like some of it. It said the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, asses, men, servants, etc., etc. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh because of her. See, when we forget to get instruction from God and we forget to ask God direction and we even forget to take God with us, he comes along anyway. See, this is the sovereignty of the one who keeps covenant. See he comes along anyhow even though we don't invite him. We don't ask him. We would have made our own plans. We would cut our own deals. We would do all this stuff by ourselves. He comes anyhow. Why? Because he's God. Just like he came to Abram sovereignly the first time. He can come on his own again. Over and over and over again. So God plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah. And Abram and Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Now who told Pharaoh that? Uh-huh. God told him that. Uh-huh. She didn't have to say anything. God let him know. 
He said, why would you say she's my sister? He said, I might have taken her to my wife. Now behold your wife, take her and go your way. Pharaoh commended his men concerning and they sent him away his wife and all that he had. And Abram, in 13 verse 2, was very rich. (laughs) When have you ever made a mistake and somebody paid you to get out of their life? See, these extraordinary encounters with God will change us forever to the good. He will cause you to prosper even though you are making mistakes. He will cause you to be blessed even though you're telling lies. He will cause you to keep going even though you mess up. Because he's decided to use you. And once he decides to use you, he never changes his mind. He can't change his mind. Because he's holy. Once a decision is made on God's part it needs no change because it's a perfect decision. The fact that he chooses to use imperfect people is on him. He feels that he can still work with us in spite of our imperfections. In spite of our fears. In spite of our immaturity sometimes. He can still work with us. Huh? In spite of. God has total confidence in his ability to empower us to do the right thing. He knows how to convince us of truth. This is why when you pray for people you don't need to keep badgering them. You know God can talk to those people. He can tell them what needs to be said. And he can convince them that his word is true. So Abraham gets out of this trouble. He gets out of Egypt. And he goes forth and, and you know the end of the story. Abram was able to receive everything that he needed from God. And live a very ripe old age. He had the son of promise from which our Lord Jesus Christ came. And he did all of that with a rough beginning and a rough start. Why? Because we serve a God who changes us forever. When he gets involved he changes us. We are never no more the same person. The Bible even says old things are passed away and everything's new. Everything about us is new. Why people get hung up in in their shortcomings and their failures and fears and you know it's it's wrong because God has changed us. If we can believe we're a changed people, then we can go forth and conquer and do anything that God tells us to do. So we'll keep that in mind. We'll be able to understand and know how to allow God to work with us, how to allow God to to help us. See? When when you sin, you need to call on him. He, he's a very present. He's right there anyway. He saw what you did. He knew what you were going to do before you did it. And he lets you do it anyway. Huh? Why? Because he's bigger than all that. God's not nervous wondering who's going to do something wrong and he's going to be embarrassed with one of his kids. He's, He's very much at peace with us folks. He's very much at peace. He's just looking for somebody who wants an encounter with him so he can start moving us in his direction. He can accomplish more if we'll take the time to allow him to have his way in our lives. Make contact with God. Give him your attention. Give him your full attention. Turn some stuff off and, and you know, turn him on and worship him. Just sit in his presence sometimes. He doesn't have to say anything and you don't have to say anything. But that time in his presence will be life changing. 
you know I can remember times I'd, I'd sit in, and sit in the house and my husband would sit there and he'd sit there in his chair I'd sit there in mine nobody said anything you know and young people said well I'm bored you know I want to say well you ain't old enough yet to <laughs> just sit and enjoy somebody's presence you know and not have to say a thing and so we we have to understand that it's the same way with God that's an encounter folks an encounter is just being available to him he can make the change and we not even know we're being changed on the inside sometimes you know I, I can remember waking up in the middle of the night and I would hear the Holy Spirit praying on the inside of me or sometimes he'd talk on the inside of me and I'd think wow he's up well the Bible says he never slumbers or sleeps I'm sleeping we can't both sleep and so he he is awake and alive and active in us at all times never doubt that you're equipped to conquer never doubt that you're equipped to go no doubt that God hasn't prepared you for certain things because he has you know there's nobody who prays enough I don't know a soul out here can say well you know I prayed enough you know we all are lacking in some areas God uses us anyway folks he uses us anyway so okay in Exodus chapter 2 we'll look at Moses for a little bit and Moses is a different type of encounter because Moses has what we would call a broken covenant with God Oh, his covenant is not in force and active and alive. I'm just wondering if we need to close this door for the tape. You think this traffic, the traffic noise probably might be picking up on the tape. Yeah. Why don't we just shut it for right now. Probably need to turn the air on and close that back door. But um, the Moses is a, a different encounter. He's what I would call a broken covenant simply because he's, uh, he's an Israelite. He's born into the tribe of Levi. But he has been uh, uh, taken away from his family. So he doesn't have the training. He doesn't have the background that God would like for him to have had. He's somebody who's uh, been pulled out of from among his people he's drawn out that's really what the name Moses mean it means it means to be drawn out he's drawn out of fellowship with his own people and he is raised in the house of Pharaoh the blessed thing about that is that Moses is weaned by his own I mean he's fed nursed by his own mother God arranges that so she can know that a good result happened with her child and they're able to keep contact with him kind of throughout the years and so in uh, in Exodus chapter 2 in verse 11 we see something happen in the life of Moses after he's uh, grown up a little bit and at this point and this was prophesied to Abram that his his uh, descendants would spend 400 years in captivity to another people and it might have something to do with the the encounter Abram had in Egypt you got me the, those things when we sow seeds into certain things they bear fruit took a long lot of years but that thing of going down to Egypt for sustenance and drawing from Egypt and having a kinship and affinity comes back in his life later to entrap his children and so but God already has a way to get him delivered 
I don't care what comes. You know, people go through this. We get family curses and generational curses. What about the blessing? What about redemption? What about, see, you can go back real far to find something, but God's power is still great and mighty to deliver. And so here as Moses is is come under, they've all come under now, this bondage in Egypt. Moses is being raised up as a deliverer for the people. And so in verse 11 it says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. So here Moses is an officer in Pharaoh's, in Pharaoh's court. He's raised as, a, as Pharaoh's daughter. The Bible says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He wanted his own identity. He wanted his Hebrew identity. And so he's making attempts here to get back involved with his people. Doesn't know how to do it. He looks like an Egyptian. He acts like an Egyptian. He has the authority of the palace on him. And yet he wants to be considered a Hebrew. So he wants back in with his people. He wants to have his true identity established. But he doesn't know how to go about doing it. It takes an encounter with God. It takes an encounter with God. To get back to where God initially planned for you to be. So Moses devises his own plan. To get back involved with his people. And he decides he's going to deliver them from the Egyptians single handedly. So he says he looked on their burdens. He spied an Egyptian hitting a Hebrew. One of his brethren. He looked his way and looked that. And he saw that there was no man. He killed the Egyptian. And he hit him in the sand. Now if that's going to be a delivery he's going to be mighty busy trying to kill up all the Egyptians. You know God always has a better plan. I don't care how good your idea is. It's flawed because it's a human idea. When you have an encounter with God he will totally change you. He may not change that desire in your heart to do good. But he will definitely change your methods. And this is what he has to do with Moses. So he says went out the second day and behold two men of the Hebrews were arguing together. And he, and, and he said to him that did the wrong. He said Where are, why are you hitting your brother? And, and they said well who made you a judge and a prince over us? And they still don't trust him because he looks like an Egyptian. He acts like an Egyptian. He's got the power of Egypt on his side. When you have an encounter of God, he strips all that off of you. You're not that same person anymore. You don't have those same methods anymore. You may have a good idea and want to get it launched. But you may have to wait some years before God does does the change in you that he wants to do so that you can carry it out. Care how good your ideas are and how wonderful. How much you love God and you want to be a blessing to everybody. It must be God's way or no way. And he makes it firm that, that that's what he wants. And so... Pharaoh heard about it. He sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And so that's where we find him. Moses meets some young ladies who happen to be daughters of the priest of Onan. Many times people who are called have this affection for other people of like idea, like mind, like calling. So even though this man is a priest for a a heathen god, Moses has some kind of liking to him because that's his calling too. 
See, even in the natural, people can recognize and get comfortable with people with certain kinds of gifts in them and certain kinds of abilities. I always caution young men in, in the ministry about this, and in, you know, in, in how to choose someone that God really has for them. You know, they like fast girls. You know, all men like fast girls. Yeah, all the men need to stay men and repent. You know, but but something that's eye catching. They you know they like the eye candy aspect. But then they'll get in where you see them preaching the word, and they find a fellowship and a kinship with a woman who may be anointed to preach and something like that. Well, we don't want to deal with that, but you can't ignore that because that's really what's drawing you. And you need to get off the eye candy and let God draw you to a godly woman who can preach. Everybody's scared to be married to preachers. I am too. I don't blame you. But the thing of it is, if that's your calling, that's your calling. And so Moses was aware of this to some degree because he winds up in the house of a man of their God. Not his God, but a man of another God. And so it was interesting that God was able, uh, God was able to cause Moses to marry one of these women. And in chapter 3 says now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And came to the mountain of God, even Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Now this is a sign. Okay, It's a sign. They had many, there were many uh, burning bushes in the desert. They would have spontaneous, they got dry enough and prickly enough the sun would beat down. You know, like, you know how you can get a magnifying glass and make it more intense. Well, it was that intensity in the desert. And they would just spontaneously burn and be consumed. They're burning bushes around everywhere. This one, for some reason, Moses looks at it and stares at it long enough to realize it's not consumed. And it gets his interest. Signs always get the interest of people. Because Moses had no training as a Hebrew, he had no understanding of of uh, their history, their laws, the language. He had he had the um, the language of the Egyptians. He didn't know how to relate to the Hebrew in the same language. He probably pick up a little something here and there, but he was not eloquent. You know, he, it says that later. When God says, tells Moses to go tell Pharaoh this and he's going to have him speak for his people. And Moses says I'm not eloquent. That just means I'm not skilled in the Hebrew language. It really doesn't mean he stuttered. Even though people say oh, Moses was a stutterer. was not. In the book of Acts it tells you that Moses was, was well learned. Hmm. Mighty in word. Acts 7. In verse 22, you see a true picture of, of who Moses was. He was he was not some some guy running from you know like a fugitive or something. I mean, even though he was, that wasn't all there was to him. Uh, it says here, this is in Stephen's message, you know, in the book of Acts. It says Moses would, was learned in all the wisdom. 
of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. So if he was mighty in words he didn't stutter. His problem was he didn't speak the Hebrew language well enough to lead those people. So that's why God assigned Aaron to help him. So you got the first really preacher and interpreter that there ever was because God chose him to interpret for him so that they he could be effective for them so Moses could communicate well with the Egyptians talk to Pharaoh but then Aaron had to explain it to the people and so they were able to work and so God caused Moses to pay attention to what he was doing now we don't know if this was the first time God tried to get Moses attention how many of us got the gospel preached to us? People tried to take us to church. They tried to pray for us. All of those things and we refused. Until one day it finally sunk in. This God is not going to go away. He's after something. And so he finally gets Moses' attention. Verse 3, Moses says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, he He's got to see he's got our attention. He's got to see that. You've got to give God enough attention for him to speak because he's God. He's not going to speak over your confusion. He's not going to speak into your situation where you're halfway paying attention to the word. Or you know you got your healing tape on and the TV on at the same time. You'll never get healed like that. The Bible says to give your word the word your full attention. You give it that because he's God. He's not some background noise while you listen to what you want to focus on. And so when he got his full attention he turned aside and, and said God God called to him and said Moses Moses and he said here am I and he says don't come close to me. Hmm. Now with Abram he tells him to go and leave and do what I tell you to do. He relates to him kind of in a distance. Moses he begins to teach ways of holiness so that he can step into his role as a minister. Abram was an ordinary man serving God and wound up being a prophet of God but he has a different call for Moses so he's going to have to teach Moses ways of sanctification and holiness because he's about to give Moses the law to give to the whole people and so he starts him out in his call day one Uh uh-uh don't come near me take your shoes off because this is holy ground he starts to teach him how to differentiate between the holy and the profane that's a good training ground for anybody who's going to preach for God you got to know what's respectful you got to know what's not respectful You've got to know what's acceptable to God. You have to know what's not acceptable to God because you have to teach the people his ways. And so he says, don't come near me. Take the shoes off from the place you're standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows and I've come down to deliver them. He said, I have come down to deliver them. Not you, but me. You thought you were helping out over there in Egypt and you wind up getting yourself in trouble. Richard Kimball. 
Well, he is a fugitive from Pharaoh. Huh? I know. I won't mention Mr. Harrison Ford, Mr. Tommy Lee Jones, my favorite movie again. Huh? <laughs> Every time that movie comes on, I sit there and watch it. I gotta have nothing better to do. I just have to see Mr. Richard Kimball. Yeah, so anyway. Yep. <laughs> it's the one armed man. <laughs> but but it is true, Moses was a fugitive. See, those are those are the credentials that he has to offer God. A murderer, a fugitive, somebody who's running from the law. And so that's all the credential Moses really needed for God to be able to use him. God said, I'll take you just like you are. I'll teach you what you need to know. But you've got to obey me. You've got to obey me. And so Moses, he tells Moses again what he told his father Abram. Said, I'm going to bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey, and I'm going to have you lead all of those people out, not just that one man that you saw being abused. Because what you can do in human strength is on a very limited scale. I want to do things to empower you to affect a whole nation, bring a whole nation of people out of bondage. And so this is the difference, folks, when you have an encounter with God. He sees a much bigger picture than you ever see. I believe it's worth it to let him have his way and let him affect the change in us that he needs to affect because we have to learn him, learn his ways, his timing, learn how to trust him. You had to learn how to have a normal life while you're serving God. There's a lot to learn in God that we need to know. But he does have something in mind for us to do. You can rest assured of that. Many times people get frustrated. Well you know God said he was going to use me this that and the other. and, And people don't recognize me. And they don't let me get up and do this. And let me get up and what God told you he's going to do it. He's definitely going to do it. But you've got to be careful that you don't get discouraged and lose heart. And sometimes that's the change that God's trying to affect in us. That we be encouraged people instead of so easily discouraged. And so if we can allow him to affect the change in us that he wants to affect in us. He will be able to get his work done. So what does God have in mind for Moses? Well he has in mind for him to go and get his sons and daughters. He's already got covenant people in the earth and they're being oppressed by the Egyptians and God wants his people back. He does not want them the property of the devil. You know I believe if we as believers can get up every morning with that on our minds. God wants sons and daughters. God wants his people back. What am I doing to make that happen? What am I doing to make that happen? We'd have more more real ministry. We'd have more believers going out and challenging the devil's power where he's got people entrapped. See for Moses it wasn't about write some papers and, and Pharaoh send those people out of there. With him it was going to Pharaoh over and over and over again confronting him on his own turf. 
these are the people that if they found him wanted to put him to death because there was an arrest warrant out for him for crying out loud and God sends him right back to the place where he could get arrested and killed himself where he can lose his life so that he can do some good trust me folks God will put you in places where you never thought you would be able to be comfortable never thought you would have an impact but he's got to make the change in us you got to have encounters with God that empower you to look beyond your natural abilities look beyond your natural fears look beyond your comfort zone look beyond anything that you might do come here sweetie pie God God Miss Philada I know I keep messing your your name up. But you know what? The Lord keeps mentioning something to me about you. You want to step up here and I'll I'll tell you what God wants you to know. Right right there is good. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Now you know God's speaking to me about women who are, are bound and imprisoned. And you have words that will set them free. You have music that will set them free you have a spirit that will set them free you have a a love on you that they will open up to and God is saying this he says in the months to come he's going to start preparing you to do this or I don't know if you've done any at all or you do a little bit but you're going to do more of it and he's going to open some unusual doors for you it may be in prisons it may be in places where women are are held and not loved it's that's the thing he says that there's love in you that he wants you to pour out to others and he's going to put you in some unusual places he's empowering you right now to understand that so father we just receive that for our sister here yes that there's so much in her that will nourish others it will bless others and it will strengthen others so father just we release her into it father we we don't want to be a hindrance at all we just release her into it yes there it goes amen (laughs) praise god amen all right praise god see it pays and it don't pay to sit on the front row well at least we we didn't take the usual 50 dollars a person offering off the front no it's a whole joke <laughs> you know there's old preachers joke you didn't want to sit on the front row at some preachers meetings because they go through your pocket and make you get a biggest amount in the offering but anyhow we're all blessed but uh but yeah this is so God has to empower us these encounters with God see they empower us to go forth and and do things so Moses has to go and confront his past really they got to face all of that but this time with God many times there are people that we hope we don't run into after we get saved and there may be a time and a season where God says well here they are right in front of you this is the time for the confrontation and God will fill your mouth with words and it will work out to your good it won't be strife and it won't be falling out it won't be bickering and it won't be harmful to you it will be a blessing to you many times you know that people uh, I was talking to uh, Nola our secretary and she was saying that she had some estranged relatives and she said she had been praying 
for her family for for many years and they fell out over i think when her mother passed away you know but you know people get mean when they somebody dies you see the best and the worst of people when there's a tragedy like that and i guess they had quit speaking to one another and she'd been praying for him and and it just recently she decided she would make contact with him or, or she saw him on facebook or something that kind of opened up the door for her to to talk to him and when he when she called him he said oh this is an answer to prayer you see it's never like we think they're praying for us and we're praying for them and as it works out she has a son who's been wanting to get an an open door into uh broadcasting and, and tv production a sound and this guy works for the television the news station down there so he just i mean oh let him come down i'll show him everything you see and so it's these kinds of encounters that that he wants us to have and he empowers us to have them Moses starts to read his his deficits to God well God I can't do this and I can't talk and I can't you know whatever and he says God says I know what I called you to be he says you know Moses started well who should I say sent sent me and he's so ignorant of the ways of God and so God begins to teach him and school him from from very little you know just kind of spoon feeding him don't step there step this is holy ground gotta learn how to keep things right before me and 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 who do I say sent me well I am just tell them I'm alive and I see what they're doing I'm gonna fix them too you got me I'm gonna get my people out of there and so God gives him just exactly what he needs every question of his his lack of ability is answered in this encounter it's amazing what god can do if we'll get with him on stuff and what we do is we start going through our own mind for answers start trying to figure it out ourselves or trying to make a natural connection for something that only god can do but in this one encounter he tells Moses what he needs to know tells him what he's called to do tells him what he's going to help him with tells me let's reassures Moses that if you have any problems with this you can come to me and I have the answer for you it's amazing sometimes we get stuck in situations we don't need to get stuck in because we don't go back to God and get these things cleared up we can do that it's like Mary was called and and when she was first called you know she's called as an obedient believer there's a different level of call there she knows God already and she's anticipating good things from God but when the angel talks to her and tells her she's going to have a baby she said uh no wait a minute Are you sure you got the right Mary huh and so then he explains to her the supernatural aspect of her her uh, work with him see in all of these encounters from Abraham to Moses to Mary there is a supernatural aspect that they need there's something of a change in them that has to occur before they can be empowered to do it and it happens in an encounter with God this isn't something you earn you can't turn down enough Twinkies and hamburgers and and you know Big Macs to earn this you have to let yourself be exposed to God in the way that he wants you exposed to him so that he then can empower you to do the impossible in him and through him and with him. It's, it's amazing what, uh, what God has for us 
just in in small encounters you know it's it's those life changing things and sometimes we think if if we're going to be successful in God we've got to be in the right church with the right people with the right connections with everybody's want to be networking remember that word but we'd have networked ourselves to death and the world is still going to hell at a rapid rate we still are not producing the sons and daughters that God wants us to produce and so when we when we understand that it doesn't take much for God to empower us it doesn't take much these short exposures that Moses had with him that Abram had with him that Mary had with the angel are enough to get us empowered and on our way and and reassured that God is with us he changes us in miraculous ways it's God that changes us from time to time and in these encounters with him that we're completely transformed it's it's really very important for us to understand that amen well father in heaven we do thank you for blessing us to know you and your word and what you have for us and lord sometimes we think we're waiting on man but we're really waiting to step into your presence for that encounter that we need to have that totally changes us it'll change our outlook change our inward man it'll change our vision it'll change everything it'll pick us up and turn us around and put us on a plain path and we thank you for these encounters in Jesus name amen praise God amen 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 if anybody needs prayer